Hi everyone, this month I am so ecstatic to share with you this interview that I did with Alex Hedrick and Brian Burkholder from the Uprising podcast. So a little bit of context, Alex and Brian are both based in Texas, USA, and they worked on staff with each other at a church there. They are friends that found synergy in some of the thoughts that they have been having about the kingdom of God, what it looks like, and how we elevate our perspective. That's a statement that they say often in their podcast. They are incredibly thoughtful and insightful, and their Reconstructing series has got to be one of the best podcast series I've listened to in recent years. It's a really positive, constructive look at how we build the church into a loving Jesus community. So I hope you enjoy the interview, but I want to encourage you to go check these guys out. Their podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can also follow them on Instagram at uprising.podcast, and you can visit their website, which is www.theuprisingpodcast.com. So yes, the name of it is The Uprising Podcast. I don't know if you picked up on that. I've said it a few times by now. Anyway, go check them out. They are well worth the listen. Alrighty, enjoy. All right. Hey guys, it's so awesome to have you on the podcast. I'm seriously just been looking forward to this so much. Brian and Alex, thank you for checking in. I know it's nighttime over where you are in the US. Um, I would love it if you could tell uh, my audience a little bit about yourselves. I don't know who wants to go first, but. Ladies first. Oh, thank you. You're such a good one. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I am Alex Hedrick and uh, I have um, just a huge passion for, um, helping people connect to, uh, kingdom, kingdom culture. And I, uh, was just, we were just chatting actually earlier about the podcast that I didn't necessarily grow up Christian. So I kind of like missed all those good Christian evangelical social cues as I came <laughs> into this world. Um, but, but I am from Texas and down here, even if you don't grow up Christian, you are culturally Christian, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you go to church at least on Christmas and Easter. Um, you talk about Jesus as if you know any, know something about him, because um, that's just our culture down here. Mm. But I really didn't. And uh, so I met Jesus later in college, um, where I was an opera major, um, which will surprise people, I think. Wow. I know, I know. And, um, and then went to Bible college and got to serve um, in ministry for about 15 years at the same, uh, mega church. And, uh, during the pandemic got the chance to kind of reevaluate things. And now I am a stay at home mom of five foster kids. Wow. So there, there is no, um, like go big or go home, I guess in my world, <laughs> you know, you just like flip from thing to thing. So that is actually, uh, what I do now is I stay at home. We've got, um, five foster placements. We're a foster to adopt family. And mm. so, um, and then on the side, I get to do my favorite thing, which is kind of, um, I would just even call it ideating with Brian. We have our own podcast, the Uprising yes, podcast. That's right. Um, and, and we get to just, I call it ideating because that's all the podcast is. is we, <laughs> we are on this journey together of just trying to figure out this weird tension that I think we're sitting in, mm. in America, in evangelical, um, Christianity. And it's been, so fun to do that. So that that's really me in like a five second nutshell. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Brian? Yeah. So I grew up, um, my parents were divorced and my mom went to, uh, 
AGE churches, Assembly of God churches. And then my dad uh, went to fundamental independent Baptist churches. So I grew up with two very different uh, church experiences, uh, met Jesus at nine uh, and then went into, got, felt the call to ministry when I was 16. Wow. And I've really spent, spent the last 20 plus years, uh, 20-ish years trying to uh, figure out uh, what that call looks like. I'm married mm. to a beautiful lady named Becky. We've been married uh, 17 years now. We have four kids who are seven, five, three, and or four and two. He turned four in July, so seven, five. I'm I'm messing it up. <laughs> it, there's seven, uh, five, four, and two. My five is about to turn six, so man, it's hard Bye. to keep track. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we're busy. Um, uh, I was in full-time pastoral ministry uh, for 20 years. And even in college, I, w- I worked every weekend leading worship somewhere for four years. So, and, and uh, even in two years in high school. So I've literally been in church leadership since I was 16. So that's 25 years in church leadership. Um, oh, wow. And just, just recently, um, you know, through the pandemic, I, uh, I, it's a long story, but I had a lot of revelation about what God was up to. Mm. Um, during, during pandemic time. And, um, yeah, I just, um, I got really dissatisfied with, with building the church as a, as an empire. It's basically as a pyramid scheme. And, um, I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus intended the church to be as a pyramid scheme. Mm. So, um, so I just, uh, God's really given me a blessing to get to do what I love to do with, uh, in the business world right now and be at home with my kids. That's what I do. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, just in this conversation alone, I've discovered that both of you have got creative backgrounds, musical backgrounds. Yeah. Opera? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, how long did you do that for? Oh, so, I, you know, I, my mom said that I came out of the womb singing and that she, when she went to um, the symphony and the operas that I would kick. And, uh, so she always, wow. kind of, that was, yeah. So she always kind of pinned me as that, but I, um, I did that all through high school. I won a bunch of awards and then went to uh boss conservatory of music, got wow. listed for Juilliard, um, and actually just met the Lord doing that. So I actually got to a point where I lost my voice because I was singing incorrectly. I was trying to sound oh, too mature wow. for my age. Mm. and could not talk for six weeks and met the only Christian on that campus. I'm pretty sure. Well, maybe (laughs) there were one or two, but pretty much the only, it was a liberal arts college. It was, I mean, like our, our professors partied with us. This is what Mm. I'm saying. Like it was, it was a rough grab. (laughs) And, uh, and so he used that time in my life. It was the only, I couldn't argue back. I couldn't talk back. I had to use like a little whiteboard. Uh, (laughs) and, and that is how I got saved is really that experience. Yeah. And then after that, yeah. And after that, I just had noticed it was, it was, it's a, the entertainment world is a hard world. Mm. And so, you know, you, you party a lot, you do a lot of drinking and a lot of other things. And Mm -hmm. some people do some very shady things to get to tops. And I, once I found the Lord, I just wasn't willing to engage in that world anymore. And so I decided to go to Bible college and the rest is history. So, wow. And And the other thing that I noticed in both of your stories, which I guess like the listeners could probably relate to is the fact that the pandemic was a real, a turning point for where you were in your faith journey, like a period of reevaluating, which I think is just lots of people can relate to that because it really did take us out of 
our normal context and thinking that we can just plan our life and we just keep doing what we're doing and it really did change things, hey? Yeah, I was um, I was actually in a reevaluation personally starting October before um, before the pandemic, and I knew God was up to something because I had basically four job offers um, <laughs> to different churches, and I was getting ready to go visit um, and do onsite visits, uh, onsite interviews, and they all called me the same day, uh, the Wednesday that everything shut down. They all called me the same day and canceled. The, oh wow! Just, just shut everything down. So I was like, mm, I think God's up to something. I, <laughs> I think he's, I think he's up to something. So yeah, yeah. I think I think there's a message here in that. So yes. yeah, it was it was pretty it was a pretty clear uh, pretty clear bell uh, for me from God in that way. Mm. Well, I mean, one of the reasons I've gotten you guys on the podcast is because um, in your own podcast you talk a lot about kingdom culture, and I actually personally think that. Uh, it's quite a misunderstood concept. Like I've heard one preacher talk extensively on like the kingdom of God and and that kind of thing, but actually not a very common topic to be preached on. Um, and I actually love that you talk about it a lot and keep sort of bringing people back up to what is the culture that um, that God has meant to happen here on earth. What is the kingdom culture? So. I would love it for the benefit of our listeners because there's a good chance they haven't heard much about this kingdom culture kind of idea. What do you mean when you talk about it on your podcast? I'll let Brian go first on that one. <laughs> yeah, so um, the thing I'll say is that uh, we there's a reason Paul in his epistles harped on being carnal, on being fleshly, on being, uh, you know, as we were talking earlier about being Hellenistic, about being... Um, and hedonistic about being drawn to things that you can see, touch, and feel. And we as human beings tend to be that way. Hmm. So we, we tend to equate the kingdom of God with things that we can touch, see, and feel. But the kingdom of God is actually something you can only experience by faith hmm. in, the, in the word of God and experience personally through God. Now you can have experiences with things that you can see, touch, and feel, but it's encountered by faith. Mm. So, so one of the, one of the things that we really want to emphasize is that there's a huge difference between the kingdom of God that you can see as it exists in a church building or as an organization of 501c3 here in America. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is those who have given their hearts to the king and Mm. follow the king who's Jesus. And we've, we have, we have given our hearts to, uh, to other men. We've, we've literally, uh, this is a strong word, but we've literally Mm -hmm. prostituted ourselves as kingdom people in, in order to feel good in order to feel like we're doing something for Jesus. You mentioned now that you like, man, I'm finally doing something for Jesus because I'm in this organization doing something. Mm, That's right. Right. And the kingdom of God is so much more uh, ethereal than that. It's so much more, um, it's so much harder to grasp than, um, you know, here's this organization, here's an org chart, here's the people who do these jobs. That's not the kingdom of God. That That's organization, which is not necessarily unhealthy, but the kingdom of God itself is unseen. Mm. The kingdom of God itself cannot be, cannot be, um, bound up uh because the ways of god are not bound up into the ways of man Mm. so um do you think for that reason that the kingdom of god 
and when we are trying to live a kingdom kind of life, that it is harder to discern them for that reason? Absolutely. And that's why we put legalistic rules around it. Like, as long as you're inside this building, as long as you're inside this organization, you belong to the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. That's, why the, that's why the Catholic Church ended up where they were at before the Protestant Revolution, where they felt like they could say, they had the authority to say whether someone was going to heaven or hell or not. Because unless you're part of our organization, you're not going to heaven. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we, we, have to, uh, we have to consciously set aside this idea that we can we can manufacture the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is actually something that is put inside of us by faith in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. that's my little, you'll, you'll find out, uh, you listen to our podcast, so you know I'm the preacher, Alex is the counselor. So, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's my, that's my uh, nutshell teaching uh, without getting too deep and getting you, uh, you know, book and verse on, uh, chapter and verse on that thing. But uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on, what is the kingdom of God? What is it? I'll let you go next. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think the, in, the wording is very intentional by Jesus and by John the Baptist when they talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, mm. because, um, at that moment, they're in this weird, like transition period, um, where there's been 400 silent years biblically, like there hasn't been any new prophets or anything written down. But the reason is because they, the Jews have been trying to come back in, in repentance from their captivities. And in the midst of that, this is, you, Brian's going to laugh because um, he and I talk a lot about this. But in the <laughs> midst of that, the, this is after, I mean, the, historically speaking, the Maccabean revolt happens, right? Mm. Um, the Maccabean revolt happens. That's the story of Hanukkah. That's where the solutions are trying to like basically take over Jerusalem. They sacrifice a pig on the altar. And so the Maccabean revolt happens. They win. The solutions are like, this is not worth it. Peace out. And so the Jewish people give the ruling back to the priests. And one more time, the priests, the priests hear about Rome's impending kind of empire, and they run and make a pact with Herod, whose family runs a spice trade. Um, So he's one of the wealthiest families in the world. I mean, Mm. imagine like he, he would be wealthier than Bill Gates at this point. And they make a, a pact with him and they say, hey, can you come be our king? Uh, because we're scared. And we think that because you have lots of money and lots of influence that you can kind of strike a deal with Rome and they'll leave us sort of alone. Mm. Um, and that kind of works for a season <clears throat> that that works for a season. Uh, eventually Herod's own children mess that up. And then Rome takes over anyway. And Pontius Pilate is put as governor, but it works for a season. So again, Israel has just chosen a King. Mm. And then as Jesus, right again, like, yes, again, sort of, Again, like, come on, guys, <laughs> you just did this, like, you know, 800 Probably. years ago, and it didn't work out so well. Yeah. Um, and so they choose a king again, it, and then that doesn't work out. Rome takes over, and Rome has very specific, um, C- Caesar himself has very specific wording and actually does use, like, God, you know, he talks about the, the he, as a deity, basically, he sets himself mm. up as a deity. Um, and so that's, it's one of the reasons why Jesus teaching kingdom of God is so inflammatory. Mm. And so when, when we say kingdom of God, I think what we can say to to people when we talk about it is, is the opposite of empire where Mm. empire seeks to produce the kingdom of God seeks to just be where the, where the empire uh, discards people 
the kingdom of God seeks them out. So you can Mm. kind of think of anything empire and go, the kingdom of God is the opposite of that. Mm. Um, But that's what made it so inflammatory of a teaching. And it's one of the reasons why the disciples all ended up, you know, in prison or killed and and is because it was a very inflammatory thing to be not just preaching Jesus as King, but preaching that there was any other kingdom, um, much less a kingdom that was this topsy-turvy, um, I forget which historian it was, but there was this historian who was describing Christians and they said, uh, it's basically a kingdom. He used the word kingdom of women and, uh, orphans and children. Mm. And which, which, when you think about it, those are the populace that don't produce anything. Like if you're talking about building a kingdom and an empire, you're not picking the, that population. Like yeah. <laughs> that's not the population you're picking. Um, and so, so the, you know, that's what I would say the kingdom of God mm. is like. Um, but it's so easy to then put rules to that and go, well, then you have to be serving widows and orphans. Then it has to look this way, mm. but, but right. Because like Brian said, but it is the opposite of empire. Uh, there's yeah. a really good podcast out there that I listen to and he calls it a tale of two kingdoms, mm. empire or shalom, which is peace. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a good, that's a long-winded way of saying that. So. Yeah, no, that, that was brilliant. That was a brilliant description. Like you're right. Like really, when you look at our Christian faith, like even for today's standards, it is countercultural. Like there are, you know, the idea of loving your enemy, that's completely countercultural. We would not really suggest that for people like ordinarily in the world today so you know and then of course there's so many other things too right so um yeah brilliant brilliant um so there's this awesome analogy that you guys use and you talk about it quite a lot throughout your podcast which is this idea of chicken coop so could you unpack this because I think it's awesome and I think it like just creates some synergy to all of the things that you guys talk about Alex, you go first this time. Well, so, uh, you know, funnily enough, that analogy comes from um, part of it was was directly from Brian and just a revelation he had. But the other part of it was us sitting there and talking about things and coming up with what we call this parable between the eagle and, and the chicken coop. And, and it's actually funny. It's not necessarily new. It's a West African proverb. As we were looking it up, we found it. Um, and it, and so it's not necessarily a new concept, but to apply it to the kingdom of God, uh, side note, I have eight chickens in my backyard. <laughs> so you have firsthand experience with yeah, chicken fingers. No, she does firsthand. <laughs> now I, now we came up with this prior to me actually having chickens, but it has been a study in itself. So here's what I would say. We were trying to find an analogy for what it looks like, uh, for, for the, basically we're describing freedom versus slavery, Mm. you know, and in a chicken coop, you know, you're, you're raising up these animals, but you always have somebody at the head. And then you always have, you always have this pecking order. Um, so that's where the term came from, obviously. Oh, all this time I had no idea. Yes, yeah, so it is. And it's literally, it's literally hierarchical. So it's describing that hierarchical power. Um, and chickens do this. They start young too. We actually have some chicks out in the garage right now. And they're, they're experiencing that pecking order where they're trying to literally peck at each other to figure out who is more powerful, who is better, who is the better submissive one, who is the more dominant one Ooh. and who goes under who. 
Um, and so it, that, that's where it came from, um, is, is trying to describe that hierarchical, um, organizational, Brian would call it pyramid scheme, um, view of organizational culture in a church versus how we might have been, uh, always meant to live, which is that Eagle mindset, you know, Eagles are, um, you know, especially the ones here in America, they're very much isolated creatures. They don't, they don't necessarily fly in like what you would call like, um, you know, packs or any flocks. They don't do that. They, they set up nests near each other, but not necessarily with the intent to stay with each other. Mm. Um, and so there's, there's almost this, no, I wouldn't say loner, um, mentality, but almost like this, Hey, we'll be, we'll fly near each other. Um, but there's not that codependency. So that's where it came from, Brian. I think you can probably describe and add to that a little better. Yeah. So one of the things about a chicken coop uh, that comes to mind is you don't get to keep your own produce. So the work that you produce belongs to somebody else. Um, the work that you produce, uh, you get to, might get to keep some of it, but you don't really like you're, you're working to feed, uh, feed somebody else. Someone else is always in charge. You're a pen in, you, you need, you need penned in and people, have, you, chickens are treated, uh, like dumb animals. Like, you know, you need me to feed you. Uh, so honestly, how many pastors have that mindset? Like you need someone to feed you. You need someone to take care of you. You need someone to, 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 uh, and it's not really a shepherd mindset. It's really uh, a chicken coop keeper mindset. When you look at, when you look at it, you break that metaphor down. That's not what shepherds do. They don't feed their sheep. They, they say, Hey, this is good. You should come over here. This is good stuff over here. Right. They don't feed them. They guide them, but they don't actually feed them, them, but they don't feed them. Mm. Um, and for chicken, you have to provide everything for them, which is, uh, uh, how many pastors feel that they have to do that and how many believers it's, and we've talked about this in one podcast. It's actually the individual believers who say, pastor, I'm paying you. So you Mm. have to provide for me. You have to provide spiritually for me. You have to take care of my counseling needs when I need counseling. Mm. That's your job because I'm paying you that. Yeah. So we, we're giving you power. So now you have to take care of us. That is the essence of the chicken coop, that Hellenistic thing that Alex was talking about. So what we do in our podcast is we talk about the four walls and it's been a while. So uh, we talk (laughs) about fear as the the primary wall. Mm. And then there's uh, you give over uh, your finances. uh, Then you give over what's the third one, Alex. False humility. False humility. False humility says, oh, I can't, I can't do this. We need someone. We need an expert to train us. Like, who are we to go to God? Like, Mm. who are we to to go before the king? We need, we need someone who's more spiritual than us to help Mm. us. That's false humility. And the final one is fascism. The final, the final wall, that's the four X of the four walls of chicken coop. And before you know it, you've partnered uh, with the enemy of giving up the freedom and your right to have an eagle life. You're right to soar on the wings of eagles, to soar on the wind of the Holy Spirit, the right and responsibility to go find spiritual food and to go seek God out yourself with all of your heart, as the yes. says. So the, yeah. the chicken coop is uh, what, what, as we were, as we were coming up with the, this analogy, I'll say two more things. One is it was really funny because they're like, yeah, eagles have to walk or uh, chickens, excuse me, chickens have to walk around on their own. You know what? All day. <laughs> that's what, it, that's what it feels like being in a church right now. You just, 
nobody's actually cleaning anything up because everybody's going to walk around and own junk and say, well, you made the junk. All the pastors say, well, you made the junk. You got to clean it up. But if you treat us like chickens, we don't have any means to clean it up. Yeah, right. Uh, people walk, you know. Um, and the other thing that was really fun about uh, that discovery of the analogy was my whole life, my mom has said, um, you know, Brian, you've got to stop comparing yourself to other people. Oh, my whole life. You, you are an eagle. You're meant to fly. And when I was a teenager, she's like these other, they're just pecking around in the ground like chickens. And God made you as an eagle. So go fly like an eagle. You don't need, you don't need their approval. You don't need to be around them. Just go fly with Jesus. So it was really fun. It was really fun for Alex to have the same kind of revelation. And, um, uh, that I, something I've been hearing my whole life. That that's really cool. Your mom's very wise. Thank you, mom. Yes, she is. (laughs) Well, what would you say then uh, talking about all this kind of kingdom culture kind of stuff? What would you say is the biggest aspect of the kingdom culture that we are missing today, which you sort of have alluded to, but, you know, get even more specific if you want to. Yeah, um, I would say that the biggest thing that we're missing is that um, that idea that you are personally connected to the Father through the name of Jesus, mm. that you, you don't need, we need each other. We need relationships. I'm not talking about isolationism relationally. What I'm talking about is that your source is, is not of this earth. Your source is of heaven. So what you need, if, and if we're going to be people of love, if we're going to be people, like Jesus said, you'll know each other by your love for each other. Love does not come from the outside in. Love comes from the inside out. It's a fruit of the spirit that comes in and we get connected to each other in relationship through the love that the Holy Spirit deposits in us. But if we don't have a personal, so I'm going to go back to my Baptist roots here. If we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? A personal relationship with Jesus, that love cannot exist. It's Mm. just, it's, it's fake fruit. It's wax fruit at that point. Mm. So that's why so many people I think are starving spiritually because they're Mm. everything they're grabbing is wax fruit because people have lost their personal connection. And even, even in heavily, um, presence driven like we were in a presence driven culture where we were at the present but the presence of god was only ever manifest in these big gatherings at a building and mm. um so i could go on to a, a mountain analogy that i've got but i think that's the biggest thing missing in kingdom culture is the fact that the the grace of god it comes back to some theological stuff but the grace of god through the blood of jesus gives you perfection to walk into the holy of holy places, not the outer courts, not the inner courts. It gives you the right by the name of Jesus to walk into the very presence of God Mm. as a believer in Jesus personally. You, you can do that. No matter what you just did yesterday, no matter, I'm preaching to myself right now, no matter what you just, what you did, uh, what you did uh, 20 years ago, Jesus blood covers it. So you can go right in that Mm. message, that, that central message of grace and mercy and the blood of Jesus, we've lost it. We've lost it. Uh, and the, the practical nature of, oh, I get to go in wherever I am. I can go in in a private place. I can go in my car. I can go in with my kids. I can go, we can go pray over our kids' school and the presence of God is there. I carry the presence of God with me. So yeah. I think that's the biggest thing we're missing. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Alex, what do you think? 
Yeah, I would say that we are we are missing uh, two things. One would be the fivefold ministry. I think mm-hmm. that that is something that we're missing. Uh, because if you don't have the fivefold ministry, what you miss some gifts and and just some things like pioneers. You know, we're missing yeah. pioneers of the kingdom. We're missing people who are who are willing to risk looking stupid, looking foolish, looking dumb, um, as uh, the uh, Paul would say in, I think it's first Corinthians. Oh, I want to say 10, four, but I could be wrong where he talks about basically that apostles are like the last they're paraded, paraded through the streets, almost as fools. Like everybody is treated better than them. And, you know, we're missing people like that and, mm. and that are willing to risk and to n- start naming the tension. And if you don't have the fivefold ministry, you won't have those people with that pioneering spirit because you're missing the apostles and the and true prophets. There are mm. a lot of prophets. There are a lot of false prophets out there. And then I said, I, this, the reason I said too, is the second thing we're missing, I think is verbiage, mm. you know, words are powerful. The smallest um, particle in the universe is a phonon, which is technically a part of sound. It's a sound wave. So when you think about it, the universe is held together by sound, which means words are important. They're mm-hmm. important to God. They're important to us. And most importantly, they name things for us. And I don't think we have the verbiage yet to name the tensions and the things that we're feeling. Um, or even, you know, we were talking earlier before the podcast about worldviews. Like, does everyone know what Hellenism is? Does everyone know what hedonism is? Does everyone know what a biblical worldview looks like as opposed to those things? Mm. Um, when we don't have those things, um, it, you know, the Holy Spirit can give us those things, but we're so much better when we can pass those on through discipleship mm. in people, which goes back to we're, we're missing those pioneering spirits who are willing. So that's why I get excited when we meet people like you who have similar <laughs> hearts, because, because we need this, we need that pioneering. Mm. Let's talk about it. Even if we don't even know what we're talking about yet, can we just have the conversation because God is doing something. And yes. I believe that the more people that join that conversation, mm. the more that God will manifest these things. I mean, Martin Luther, gosh, he not, he nailed up the 90, nine theses. He literally just nailed it and went back to teaching Bible college, like, <laughs> and, 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 and having those conversations, which he was already doing in his, yeah. with his disciples. And he didn't stop doing that, but he also didn't like run out and start this like revolution, but he had the conversations with people and those conversations sparked a revolution that led to us being able to read the Bible by ourselves, not have to indulgences, you know, so something is happening here. And, um, and I think we're missing some voices. So I just want to say, if that's you out there and you're feeling called to talk about this, please just do it. Like, yeah, please go talk about it. Talk about it to us, talk about it to somebody, have the conversation, start asking yourself what this thing is, because mm. I really think God's doing something. So. And it's so true, right? Because we get encouraged talking about it too, because we all mm. kind of know that something is going on. Like God is really up to something. And it we may think it started with the pandemic, but most people that I talked to, there was something stirring even before that happened. Yeah. And it's still going. We, I mean, we didn't think that we would be this far along with the pandemic in the first place. So this thing is not done, whatever God has been stirring um, under the surface. So I absolutely agree with you. We, we need to be talking about this and, and not pretending that there is this whole other thing going on that we probably don't even have the imagination for yet, but it's just cool to know and to be aware. And it just makes you more um, 
it makes you more like wanting to listen and wanting to right. hear and keep, you know, yeah. that whole thing like when a train goes from a platform, people kind of, you know, tip their ear towards the train to hear like when the next one's coming. It's that kind of thing. Like it, it makes us be like more vigilant to hear what right. else is, like what else is happening, what else is God doing and how does that work together with this bigger picture. And um, exciting too because there's clearly something different coming. There's something new coming um, and, you know, we're, we're just in the middle of that transition as God, yeah. you know, sometimes takes us a fair few years for us to catch on with what he's doing, <laughs> right? So um, yeah. in the podcast you actually talk about your time in South America. So you guys both went on like a missions trip from what I understand, with the church yeah. that we were both working at. And I, I've got to be honest, whenever I, I mean, I could be totally selfish here in, in wanting to hear about this, but um, every time you talk about it, there's something that like something that clearly happened for you guys that was really forming in what you currently like talk about and what, you know, kingdom looks like. And and I, I always find myself wanting to hear more about what that experience was. So, like, here is my uh, opportunity to be completely selfish and say, <laughs> I want to hear, like, what was it that God clearly showed you something and did something for you? So, yeah. So I would say that actually it even started before that because um, Brian and I had been having lots of conversations, uh, about a topic. I think probably most of your listeners will in, uh, enjoy hearing about, which is men and women leading together. Yes. Um, obviously you have, you have inferred, we are two, uh, friends who are of different genders. And so, <laughs> and that, that in our, <laughs> right. And that in our world, sometimes in the evangelical world can freak people out. And so we actually started before that kind of talking through these things and that started shifting my perspective. And then we got to lead together. And, um, so for me, the biggest thing that started unraveling for my heart was twofold. One was how to practically lead together as brother and sister, Mm. instead of this weird hierarchical, like, you know, is he the leader? Am I the leader? If I'm the leader, do I, am I usurping? If he's a leader, you know, is that, you know, pa- you know, patriarchal, I, like, what is that? Yeah. What is that? Just because I'm the yeah, leader, is he oppressing right? me, you know? <laughs> and so it was like, what do we, how do we do this? How do we lead together as brother and sister? Uh, and it was very different because we were in a culture in, um, we were going to El Salvador and we were in this culture that's very machismo and very about, the male leadership to the point that in one church, they made the poor woman who was leading worship stand behind a pillar. So she wouldn't be seen. (laughs) And and in in another church, they, uh, they asked men and yeah. Yeah. They asked men and women to sit on different sides. So we were in this very like Mm. different culture anyway. And so it was challenging for both of us because we were breaking down our own issues And then we land in this culture that's even more against this kind of leadership style than, than our, you know, where we actually minister. So to me, I started breaking down what was um, man-made religion and what was kingdom culture. And that for me was the moment that I started really going, what is kingdom culture and do I have this right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
that was the moment. And I, 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 Brian, you'll remember this, but I remember sitting in the lobby of our hotel to like 1am, not, I wouldn't call it fighting. I would call it like very intense discussion uh, (laughs) about, about what this looked like and about like just frustrations as a woman, his frustrations on the other side that we had always known would be because we were like ideologically talking about this, but then we get to experience it like in real life. Um, so for me, that was what changed it. And then seeing the people um, with with no showy lights and no showy auditoriums and no, you know, no, no, even um, uh, microphones salaries, or... microphones and salaries for their pastors. I mean, some of them were yeah, not wow. paid and um, and and still seeing Jesus's presence, still seeing the need, still seeing the brother and sisterhood <laughs> and and the respect Um those, those were things that for me were life-changing. And then I struggled with how to translate that, 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 uh, raw Jesus and that, that breakdown of King, I would call it deconstruction in a positive way that mm. a deconstructing man-made religion to where then I went back to serving. So that, that for me was probably my turnaround point where mm. I was like, mm, God's doing something in my heart. And, uh, and I got a word about it too. There were lots of words. I think Brian would say there were tons of prophetic words that were given us in the midst of that. Yeah. Wow. Impactful. So Brian, what would you say? So one of the big things for me was watching our, our team, um, is probably the best mission team I'd ever been a part of, um, watching our team minister to people spontaneously, be led by the Holy spirit to show love, uh, give. Um, and I just thought, why does, why do we have to spend $2,500 to go to a foreign country, uh, to see this happen? And that really started that thought process mm-hmm. of like, this is, this is the way the kingdom should operate. Every single one of our team members was like a change agent and super empowered. And we just, you know, we've been intentional as leaders to like empower them with like prayer training and, training on demonic stuff and training on like all this stuff. We've done all these, all this training to go on a mission trip. And so they, when they got there, they're like, yeah, we can do this. This is great. Let's go do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, why is it, why doesn't this happen in America? That, that started my thought, like my, my thought process. And I mean, the answer is that, that we've set up a new priesthood in America mm-hmm. and we've, we've set aside this is the lady. This is the clergy. Clergy get paid, and they're the spiritual people. The lady come and receive from the clergy. That's what we set up. Mm. You know, lady people they they can pray for people at the end of a service or open a door, teach the kids. But really, the spiritual stuff belongs to the clergy. And that's that's honestly that's the answer. Is that mm. we've we've reestablished the the priesthood. as by men and women, the priesthood mindset in America. So that was the big, that was the big aha moment for me uh, coming back because we, um, we just saw, we just saw the power of God. We just saw God move through people in such a powerful way. Um, uh, When they physically took off the cares of the world. So Jesus gave the analogy of the four soils and I just see the cares of the world and the cares of the empire just choking out because we have embraced the cares of the empire as the church. Yeah. So that was anyway, uh, 
back to the back to the story. Yeah, Alex and I had a had a had a really like we had had to hash things out in the moment. Like she's like, "What is up?" And I'm like, "Well, what's up with you? Come on!" <laughs> like so, we had you know we had we had about uh, you know we had about three hours of hashing through some things, and uh, it wasn't perfect, but um, you know it really. Um, really taught us how to lead as brother and sister together um, and um, and not have it be not have it be weird or uh, you know feel weird or wrong or um, or inappropriate on the other side you know like mm. still having healthy boundaries and you know healthy emotionally bound boundaries and uh, you know as friends pointing each other back to our spouses constantly like hey you should probably go talk to your spouse about that. You know, mm. I'm not, I'm not that person right now. Mm. So those, those kind of, those kind of things were so important for us, but yeah, for me, again, the biggest thing was seeing, seeing our team really walking out. If it like, it felt like we were sending the 12 disciples out on a mission to go heal the sick, cast mm. out demons and speak the kingdom of God. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the purest form of that discipleship that I've ever experienced. Yeah. That's why it was so, tra- that was so transformative. Mm. It's worth saying that uh, these were also almost an all women um, team. Like I think we had like yep. four, four guys, poor, poor guys. And, um, and so, and so they weren't wanted where they were being sent. Does that make sense? Like mm. this, at, at one point, one church sure. actually had somebody prophesy over us that we were Jezebel's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, but, but the thing was, they were so effective because they did not let that deter them mm. and they walked in their gifting. So I think it's worth mentioning for that to mm. go. They weren't wanted, they weren't wanted change agents, mm. but they changed it. They changed their atmosphere anyway. Mm. But it's amazing how God is doing things like with women, like in ministry, like whether it be like specifically in church or just ministry, like through life, um, I watched a documentary like must be a few years ago now, but it was about the establishment of this kind of underground church that's happening in, I think it's Iran. I could have the details wrong, but most of the church plants that are happening there are from women who have only been Christians for about three days, you know, or a week. And it's all these women that are like planting these churches and there's guys that are actually like, you know, jumping in into those communities and they have no issues with them being the leaders. And so it's sort of like quite like uh, staggering the way God is working through like this topsy-turvy <laughs> kind of system that we've always gone, this is the way it should be. Um, but, you know, I don't think God has the rules that we have, I think, when it comes to that kind of stuff. We have these rules about how it works and how things are supposed to, but he really likes to upset our formulas and I'm grateful for that. I'm sure you guys are yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I had like two other questions here, but I actually think we've kind of answered it with a lot of the stuff that we've talked about. So um, I'm going to just like give you guys an opportunity to sort of say like where do you think like the church is going to be and the and the people of God are going to be in like 20 years time when we've gone, hopefully gone through this transition that we are clearly going through. What do you see? I didn't prepare you for this question at all. So <laughs> take your time and have a think if you need to. Uh, but uh, yeah, I can go first, Brian. Uh, go ahead. So, so I think, I think we are in that, that I think the way the church is going is a place of uh, David, David-hearted leaders. 
So I think that there will always be the Sauls. I, I, you know, I, I, there will always be the Sauls of old wineskins of big churches and organizations and corporations because we're greedy and we like money and we like order and we like formulas. But I do think the new church, and I think this next generation, particularly um, the the Gen Zers and down, you know, the new alphas, I really think that they are going to be the David hearted generations, the young, um, what's that David Crowder song, undignified, the young, undignified leaders who are going to, it said that David gathered those who were bitter and in trouble. And then what I can't remember the other thing, bitter in trouble and the other thing. And I think we're going to see that this is where the church is headed. That's which awesome. to me, yeah. It's so much more like, Jesus. It is. It's our, I, yeah. And I can already see it. And I think we talked about beforehand, we're all kind of probably a few years ahead of the curve as far as talking about this stuff, Yeah. but some, yeah. but somebody has to get the conversation started. And, mm. um, and so I think that's where we're headed. I think, I think that the older generation, will have to make a choice to either come alongside David and be part of his mighty men or stay in a place that is no longer anointed. Mm. And that's terrifying. That's mm. a terrifying choice to have to, to, to think about, to stay in a place that is no longer actually anointed because if the anointing is lifted, then the wolves can attack. Does that make mm. sense? If the anointing yes. is not there, the wolves can attack. And so, um, I'm, I've been praying specifically for the older generation. So, mm. so that they would, they would have the courage to see the young Davids, like kind of like Timothy, you know, Timothy was young and Paul was like, don't let anybody, don't let anybody uh, look down on you because of your age. And I think yes. we're, we're headed, we're headed there. Um, and I think that there are a few of us who are in, I I'm a millennial, but I think there are a few people in the older, older generations and up millennials and up uh, Gen Xers, boomers who will also help be forerunners to just go, come on guys, like go yeah. do the thing, go do the thing, go be a pioneer. So that's, that's where I think it's going. What about you, Brian? So I, I really think a couple of things. I think the, the true movers and the shakers in the kingdom will have zero financial benefit tied to their authority, to their authority. Yes. Um, I think God, I think God's done with that. I think God is done with the, 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 the men and women that he's called, um, sapping his people for their own financial gain Mm. and trying to mix the worship of God and mammon. Yeah. Um, Mm. So I think, so that's very, something very practical is that I think, I don't think the, the people of influence in the the next one, in 20 years, the people of influence in the kingdom will have zero zero income from the ministry working that they're doing. Mm. Um, they will be tent makers like Paul. They will go, they will go. Um, I don't think they're going to be poor and ragged, you know, uh, they might be, uh, the poor and ragged, uh, uh, prophet, but I think, I think they're going to, and I don't think they're going to be, uh, men and women of great power in corporate world either. I don't think they're going to be CEO. I think they're going to be people, run-of-the-mill everyday people who have who said i i see jesus i see the kingdom of god jesus has shown me the kingdom and it's worth sharing with other people i think those those are the people who are going to be influencers in 20 years the other thing i think more uh more immediate and and i i don't want to sound like a doomsday prophet so i say this very trepidatiously 
is that I think there's a great cleansing of the bride coming. So, and the, the analogy that the Lord showed me the other day, I felt like he showed me was, was the flood was that those, those who have trusted in anything other than the ark of the name of Jesus will be washed away with the flood waters. So get in the flood or get in the ark, hide yourself in Christ so that he can cleanse, he can mm-hmm. cleanse his bride yeah. with the wash, with the washing of the word. So I, I do think, I do think there's a great washing coming. Um, and I don't mean, it's not like, Oh, there's persecution. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be tied up at the stake. I, I don't know what that means. That's just what I felt like the Lord said. It said that he is just, things are very ugly right now with mm-hmm. his bride. And there's a lot of confusion about who's, who's his bride and who's not because we've caused that confusion mm. with the rules that we've set up rather than the, rather than the shining fruit of reflecting the, the glory of, of our, of our bridegroom. Mm. So, um, so I do think there's a great washing coming. And I think, I think we'll, as believers, that icky feeling that sometimes we feel when we're associated with the church or that icky feeling that we feel when we're like, well, I don't want to sell out to the world system either. Like, and you just feel icky. Like a lot of times you just feel icky all the time. Cause you're like, I'm not a part of either of these things. Like, <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not on either camp. Like you guys, yeah. you guys are making, you guys are making your left wing camp and your right wing camp, but I'm not, I, I just want to be, I just want to be in Jesus camp. And yeah, because 100%. His, his, his camp's going to last forever. Oh my God. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so, uh, and, and not to, not to be, you know, head in the sand about politics or anything like that, but at the same time, I think that icky feeling, like there's so many of us who feel that. And I think Jesus just wants to cleanse that, cleanse us and just help us feel like a pure bride again. So, mm. um, so that's, that's my, that's my good news, uh, preachy for the, for the night. So I think that's, what's coming down the <laughs> No, it's awesome. Awesome. I, I'm actually shocked at, at times while you guys are talking, like how much synergy there is between like the things that I've been talking about and through yeah. my podcast and other things. There's a book that I'm about to release is all about um, having a shallow faith and how do we get to a point where we actually have a faith that can last, that actually endures, that can, you know, um, balance like the truths of God and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I've often thought too about this whole how you said that the flood thing and it being in the ark and I almost have felt like that book is forcing people, the book that I'm about to release is almost forcing people to take stock of do I have a shallow faith and can I actually do this faith or am I going to, you know, like be someone who, you know, sticks with it and, you know, like believes in it 100% and goes with it or, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So it's like there's just so much synergy and which must mean it's the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is clearly talking to so many people um, who are willing to hear, I think, is the key thing. So, um, look, I I think I'm going to call it there because I think it must be getting a little bit later for you guys. I can sort of sense it. Yeah, we're like, "Mm." You're going to yawn, so, you know, (laughs) it doesn't look like you're bored. (laughs) No, No, we've got but. We've got nine kids between us, so we're tired. <laughs> yeah, all the time. This is your constant like position, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'm going to end it there, but I so appreciate you guys coming on and just what an awesome conversation. I really hope that um, the listeners like will 
uh, grow and be challenged. And and yeah, you guys got to go listen to the Uprising podcast and get more of Alex and Brian and their incredibly insightful and much more articulate statements than what I am capable of like producing. I'm, I'm stumbling even now. Um, you got to go listen to them. Go check them out. All right. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pink Elephant. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my resources on my website, meljsayward.com.